I'd ask you to be opening your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 12 as we pick up our study on that particular chapter. Romans chapter 12. The church of the 21st century is weak and worldly. The church of the 21st century is weak and worldly. Now those words are from a book uh, by Bible teacher Chip Ingram, and perhaps they sound harsh to you. Uh, perhaps they sound unloving. Perhaps, if we're honest, they even rub us the wrong way. The church of the 21st century is weak and worldly. But, beloved, he's right. He's right. It is weak and it is worldly. He says, I fear we've become a generation of Christians convinced that sex, salary, and status are the real keys to a life of fulfillment and happiness. He said the average believer, according to recent research, does not live in an appreciably different way than those outside of Christ. He said the culture's promises of red-hot sex, a big home, a great job, and upward mobility have resulted in unprecedented divorce, financial collapse, disenfranchised children, and widespread depression among many who claim the name of Christ. In other words, people who say that I'm a believer, that I'm a child of God, they don't live much different than those who do not even know Jesus Christ. And he shared in that book how many of the views of Christians do not line up with the traditional Christian uh, teaching and Christianity. He shared some statistics from Kenneman and Lyons' book, Unchristian. And in this book, Unchristian, uh, they examine born-again busters, those who are ages 23 through 41, so my age group, 23 through 41, and, and also born-again older adults, those ages 42 and above. So I'll just call it the younger group and the older group, okay? And he shared in there... <laughs> I didn't hear that. Uh, something coming through here? I didn't say old, I said older. That's a difference, right? The older sounds better. Mature. Beloved, the truth will set you free. Just go ahead and uh, just live up to it. Wherever you are, just own it. Be there. Just be there. I'm going to be there maybe, hopefully one day. But here's, here's the group, alright? These folks found the following, these are the percentage who found the following morally acceptable. I'm going to just say the younger group and older group, okay? Here's what they believe is the morally acceptable. Here's the percentage who believe this stuff is right. You can do this. Cohabitation. Living, that is, and that's rampant in our society, living together outside the bonds of holy matrimony. The younger group, 59%, 59% of those who say that I'm a child of God, a Christian, say, you know what, that's fine. 59% find that morally acceptable. The older group, 33%. Gambling, the younger group, 58% say, yeah, that's fine. 38% the older group. Sexual thoughts or fantasies about someone... 57% of the younger group said, yeah, that's morally acceptable. 35% of the older group did. Sex outside of marriage. 44% of the younger group said, yeah. 23% of the older group. Looking at pornography. 33% of the younger group found it morally acceptable. Now, these are, these are professing believers, not, not lost people. 
Professing believers, 19% of the older group said it was fine. Having an abortion, killing an an unborn child, 32% of the younger group said, yes, that's fine. 27% of the older group said, yeah, that's morally acceptable. Homosexual behavior, 28% of the younger group said, yeah, that's morally acceptable. 13% of the older group said, yeah, that's morally acceptable. Now, here's the point. Not to say that the younger group is better off than the older group, or worse off, rather. The point is that any of them said that those things are morally acceptable. No matter what your age, what your stage of life. What has happened? How is it that those who claim the name of Christ can live and believe so contrary to the clear teachings of the Word of God? To say that murder is morally acceptable. To say that deviant lifestyle is morally acceptable. To say that uh, all these things are morally acceptable. It's because so many believers have been conformed by the world rather than being transformed by the word. That's what's happened. There's been a denial, a rejection, and maybe just an ignoring of the word of God. And for far too long, we've been conditioned And conform to the world's thinking and the world's philosophies and the world's ideas and the world's teaching. And so let me ask you, don't answer out loud. What about you? If you're a child of God today, do your views, do your thoughts, do your beliefs, do they line up with the word of God? Or are you being conformed by the world instead of being transformed by the word? Now you're in Romans chapter 12 by now, I hope. We pick up our study at verse 2. In verse 1, this is for believers. If you don't know Christ today, that's where you need to start. Repenting of your sin and placing your faith in Christ. This is for believers, Romans 12. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's writing to the brothers and sisters in Christ. And in verse 1, he challenges them to become a living sacrifice. uh, To give their bodies to be used for the glory of God. And I challenged you in that first study to literally sign a blank contract with God where you just sign your name at the bottom and you say, God, I trust my life to you. I give you my body. I give you everything. I trust you to filling all the terms, all the conditions, everything else. I just sign my name on the dotted line. I give you my body. I give you my life. Now, the second verse we're going to study today builds upon that. Obviously, if you give God your body, you're going to give him your mind because the mind is part of the body. And really, the mind is where the battle is so often won or lost. The battle that goes on in the mind. Because it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Then verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now as we look at verse 2 today, as we unpack that verse, we're going to hang our thoughts on three hooks. Three different words that summarize what I believe this verse is teaching us. And the the first one is negative, but the final two are positive. So the first hook we hang our thoughts on today is the word reject. The word reject. We said it's a negative one. And we find it the first part of verse 2 where it says, And do not be conformed to the world. That word world there could possibly be better better translated age. In fact, the Holman Christian has, Do not be conformed to this age. That is this world system. 
this world philosophy. And this world system and this world philosophy and ideas and beliefs and behavior, the mastermind behind all that is the God of this world, Satan. So wait a minute, what do you mean the God? Listen to what 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The God of this age... The God of this world system, the mastermind behind all this is none other than Satan himself, the God of this world. Galatians 1.4 says that Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And so we have this world system, this 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 world philosophy, and, and maybe it's hard to define it and really nail it down. But it's the thoughts, the beliefs of the world. Somebody has described it as, as trying to, to leave God out of life. So it's living life minus God. Trying to, to push God out of everything. And our society does that. Why? Because it's this evil world system. And, and it's all around us. And the messages from the world system, uh, they're often, they're bombarding us all the time. And they're strong in the message. And they're relentless. And in fact, this world or this age, to kind of better understand it, is described in 1 John. If you want to put your finger there in Romans and go back to the end of the New Testament to 1 John, we find the Bible describing uh, this world and what this is all about in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 15, we find these words. 1 John 2, 15. We're told, do not love the world or the things in the world. Obviously, it's not talking about loving lost people because we're supposed to do that, right? God so loved the world, lost people. We're to love lost people and see them saved. I mean, he's not talking about creation. God has given us many beautiful, wonderful things. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the world as in this evil present age. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, watch the strong words, the love of the Father is not in him. And then it goes on to define and tell us what the world is is about here. For all that is in the world, now watch this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, three things are mentioned there. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You go back to the original sin, the fall of man. You find those three things operating there. That Eve looked at that fruit and she saw it was, um, it was a, a, a good Looking and it was going to taste good and it appealed to her and it was going to help her know and, and be as God and it was going to make her as a God according to the serpent, according to Satan, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Rick Warren divided that up and showed us how our passions, sinful passions, are in there. The lust of the flesh is that passion to feel. This is hedonism. So many live that kind of lifestyle, hedonism. Uh, the, the lust of the eyes is the passion to have. That's materialism. I, I want this stuff. I want all this stuff. And of course, the pride of life is the passion to be. 
That is egotism and self-centeredness. And you notice it's all about exalting self. It's all about living for yourself. Do you see how God's left out of the picture? It's all about what I want. It's all about... It's trying to fulfill God-given desires in a way that excludes God. Because God has given us desires in our life and He seeks to meet those in His will, in His way, in a way that glorifies Him. But the world says, no, you do whatever it takes to fulfill those desires and those lusts. Life becomes all about me. And Paul says we're to reject the world system. We're not to love it. We're not to conform to it. Be not conformed to this world. J.B. Phillips' translation is probably the most famous one. Where he says, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. You take a mold and you put it in there and you squeeze it in. And that's what the world's trying to do. Did you know that? It's trying to press us and push us into its mold. We were over last night. I had to go to the, um, the Apple store. Not the fruit stand, but the computer store. And uh, we went over to South Park Mall. The South Park we That's an amazing thing to go from Ansonville to South Park Mall. You know that? That's a different world. That's a different world. And, and you look at, at the world. It's everywhere. This, this is what you must have. We look like the Beverly Hillbillies going there, I think, you know. This is what you must have. This is how you must be. This is, what, this is what life is all about. And God says, no, it's not. It's not about this. It's not about stuff. It's not about all this. It's about me. And, and it's interesting here. The pressure is there. Is it? The world screams it. But as believers, we must reject it. You know why? Listen to James 4.4. 4. This is really strong. James 4.4 4 says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world... Is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world. Makes himself an enemy of God. Not about you. that You can't get much stronger than that. He says listen you got to make a choice. It's either me, me or the world. And if you seek to align yourself with the world. You're, you're seeking to be an enemy of God. And so I must choose. I, am I going to listen to the world? Or am I going to listen to the word? Am I going to listen to Satan's lies or am I going to listen to the truth of God's word? So we've got to reject the world, but the next two are positive, okay? The second hook, the second word is this, we must renew. So we reject, now we renew. The verse says in Romans 12, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to renew our minds. We have to replace all these worldly messages that come at us and bombard us with the truth. And this renewal leads to transformation. And so instead of being conformed, we're going to be transformed. And this comes about by renewing our minds. But the question is, how do we actually do this? How do we renew our minds? Well, believer, it's a joint effort. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit... And the Holy Spirit renews our mind and molds us and changes us and makes us more like Christ. Uh, Listen to what Jesus prayed in John 17. John 17, 14 through 17. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. See, that's where a lot of people got it wrong. You look at church history. Moving into caves or becoming... Monks and monsters trying to remove yourself from the world. He says, listen, don't take them out of the world. 
but you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, the mirror is the word of God, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So what do we do, preacher? Well, our part is really, I guess, twofold. Number one, stop filling your mind with the world. And number two, start filling it with the Word of God. And God the Holy Spirit works in us and through us and with us as we put the Word into our hearts and minds to mold us and shape us and renew our mind. Now remember, it's a negative as well as a positive. The negative is stop filling your mind with the world. Now I know we can't stop it all. Why? It's all around us. It's all around us. You, you can't go anywhere, do anything without the world screaming its message at you. You can't even get in your car and shut off everything and just ride in silence because what? There's billboards, there's advertising. It's all over the place. And so we've got to stop as much as we can, but we've got to start filling our minds with the Word of God. Now think about your diet for a moment. I know that's discouraging, but think about your diet for a moment. What's the old saying? You are what you eat. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> now this past week I was in, is it car drugs or cur drug? What's the consensus? Car? K-E-R-R? Cur? I was in that drugstore. And I was looking on the clearance table. I like good deals. And they had moon pies. A box of 12 moon pies for 75% off. Dollar and 15 cents for 12 moon pies. That's less than 10 cents a piece. Now think about it. So I bought a box of moon pies. Only one. They had more than one. I really didn't know it was going to be that cheap. I probably would have bought more when I got there at $1.15. But anyway, I bought one box. And so I have to confess, I've, I've eaten some moon pies this past week. Now, well, here's the problem, though. What if I only ate moon pies? I'd look like a moon pie. Some say, preacher, you do look like a moon pie. But anyway... Little head, big body. Anyway, if I only ate that junk, my life would show it, wouldn't it? Now, here, here's, the, here's the point. Think about your mental diet for a moment. What are you filling your mind with? What are you feasting on mentally? What magazines are you reading? What television programs are you watching? What movies are you attending? What are you looking at on the internet? What kind of books are you reading? What are you filling your mind with? Parents, what about your children's mental diets? You know, you're concerned about their regular diet, I, I, I'm sure, that what they eat. What about what they're feasting on mentally? What are they listening to? What kind of music are they listening to? What are they watching? That's your responsibility to oversee that. And the question is, do our mental diets, do they meet God's standard? You say, what is that? Well, jot this reference now, Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, 
Whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In other words, quit filling your mind with the junk of this world and start filling your mind with things that are noble and just and pure and lovely, have a good report, virtue and praiseworthy, and start feasting on that. And fill your mind with that. We've got to feed upon good things. And I think that begins right here, doesn't it? With the Word of God. Filling our minds with the Word of God. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, we read it. So we can read God's Word. We listen to it. You're doing that now. You do it in Sunday school. You do it in other places. Memorize it. Oh, yeah, memorize it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Chew on it. Study it. Brother Dave said this morning in our sanctuary Sunday school class about the fact that we spent just uh, one-fourth of the time we spend watching TV studying God's Word. We spent just 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes watching TV, we don't think much about that, do we? A sitcom or whatever. Most of it's commercials anyway, right? But what if we took that much time and just spent studying God's Word? How about discussing God's Word with other believers? Talking about God's Word? How about sharing God's Word? See how your mental mindset is changing. Fill your mental plate with the Word of God. And good things. Things that are noble, just, true, good report. You see, the world is screaming its message. Be like us. Live like us. Think like us. Be like us. It's trying to force us and push us into its mold. But we can overcome that how? By renewing our minds. Somebody said our mind is kind of like a hotel lobby. Get that picture in your mind. A hotel lobby. In other words, a person who's working at the hotel lobby desk, he can't stop someone from coming into the lobby. And lots of different people come into the hotel lobby. But he can't make a decision whether or not to give that person a room. And the same is true about our thought life. Things pass into our minds. We have a choice whether or not to give that thought room and a place to stay. And so we have to renew our minds. So we reject the world system. We renew our minds to this third thing here. And it's a wonderful word. Enjoy. Enjoy. Look at the verse again. And do not be conformed to this world. Reject the world system. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind. Now the third part is enjoy. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now as you reject the world's message, as you renew your mind with God's message, and you begin living out God's word in your life, you can experience the will of God in your life. And, and you enjoy it as you understand that God's will is good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. Now be honest. Don't answer out loud. Do those words describe your current view of God's will? Would you say, oh, God's will for my life is good. And it is perfect. And it's acceptable. You know, so many think of God's will, really, as the worst thing that could happen to them. That if they allowed God to have His full will and way in their life, that they would be miserable. That they would be just awful condition. You see, the reason why is because we've not renewed our mind and understood the truth of who our God is and how great our God is and how loving our God is. And we don't realize that God's will is the best thing that could happen to us, not the worst thing. And so, sadly, a lot of believers, they don't enjoy the will of God and they don't enjoy God. 
as they should. Because they don't know God as they should. I share with you a quote from A.W. Tozer in the first message of this series. And it's worth repeating. He says, the whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we all could believe that we dwell under a friendly sky. And that the God of heaven, though exalted in power and majesty, is eager to be friends with us. Now, beloved, I don't, can't think of much greater than that to realize that the God of heaven desires to be my friend. That's an awesome thought. And He wants that loving relationship with me. And He wants to, to do His will in my life because it's good and it's perfect and it's acceptable and it's the very best thing that could happen in my life. And I need to learn to enjoy Him. See, if we're going to enjoy the Lord as we ought and as we should, we've got to renew our minds. We've got to renew our minds and we've got to reject the world. Leslie Flynn tells of a mother who was peeling vegetables for a salad um, when her daughter, who was home from college, came waltzing in. And she casually mentioned that she was thinking about going to a certain movie that evening. And it was a very questionable movie. And as she's peeling the vegetables there, the mother suddenly picked up a pile of garbage and threw it in the salad. Mother, the girl said, you're putting garbage in the salad. I know, the mother said, but I thought if you didn't mind garbage in your mind, you, sit, you certainly wouldn't mind a little bit in your stomach. Beloved, that's a good thought right there. That's a good lesson. We take into our minds things that we would never take on a physical level. Junk! Filth! Garbage! And yet we fill our minds with it and we wonder, why am I depressed? Why am I not enjoying the Lord? Why am I struggling so? Why am I going through these things? Because we've not renewed our minds. And so three simple concepts today. Reject the world's system, teachings, philosophies. Renew your mind. With the word of God. And thus enjoy. Not only the will of God. But God himself. Father. Today's message has been very strong. You've mentioned no words. In telling us that if we will align ourselves with the world. We're going against you. To be a friend of the world. To be an enemy of God. Father, our world is relentless in its message. Lord, it screams it at us every day. Lord, help us in your power and strength to filter out as much of that as we can. To stop allowing it in our lives, our homes, our families. To stop it. And then, Lord, help us to renew our minds by your word. By looking at and viewing and thinking about things that are noble and good and just and right and praiseworthy. Lord, we want to live your will out in our lives. We want to enjoy your will. And most of all, Father, we want to enjoy you and your presence. Now, Father, I pray that you would work in this invitation time. If anyone's here today who's never met you through your son, the Lord Jesus, I pray in this next moment they will come and place their faith in Christ. And then I pray for believers, maybe some today that you've spoken to. And maybe some drastic changes need to take place in their own life. I pray that you would help them to make those steps today. We love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name.
Amen. So I just pray the altar is open today. If you'd like to be saved, we'd invite you to come. Let me know that. I'll place you with someone who loves you, loves Jesus, and will share Jesus with you. You want to come and just pray today. Maybe there's some things in your life that need rooted out. Maybe come and give those to God today. 411 is our closing hymn. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take Him at His word. Just to rest upon His promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. And we can only do that if we know His word. And so as we sing today, you come. The altar is open. 411, let's stand and sing. Mm-hmm.